Good evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast here on WBSM. We have a terrific show lined up for you tonight. We're going to keep the ghost theme going. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about spirits and apparitions, specters and spooks, and we're going to keep that going this week with our special guest, Richard Sennett, who will be joining us in just a few minutes. We will discuss some of the haunted history of Hollywood, because uh, Mr. Sennett lives out in California, and he's been investigating things out that way for a long time. So we will talk to him about some of those famous ghost stories you might have heard on A&E and E and... Yeah, the biography channel he's appeared on sightings and dead famous and all these programs. So we will talk to Richard Sennett in just a little bit. Last week, of course, we had Brian Harnois from the Atlantic Paranormal Society and the Sci-Fi Channel's Ghost Hunters with us on the line. And he talked with us about uh, last week's episode of Ghost Hunters. Gave us, uh, he, he couldn't give us too much of a preview, but he said make sure you watch it because this one's going to be big. And uh, Matt Costa is here with us behind the boards. He has not had a chance yet to see it um, because I haven't let him watch it yet. Yep. I, I will, though. I promise you I will because you have to see this. And Matt Moniz, our science advisor, did have a chance to, to catch it. And uh, we just want to real quick address one thing, uh, debate going on at the message board on SpookySouthCoast.com. Check it out. Join the message board. You can post questions up to us all through the show. But uh, on the message board, one of the questions was this, this apparition that taps caught on video. Uh, for those who did see the program, the long camera shot from the bottom of the staircase of the lighthouse tower. Uh, they they had a f- apparition at the top that turned face downward toward the camera before it walked away. And when it turned and faced downward, its light was reflect its uh, face reflected light. And uh, the question on the message board was, if it really was an apparition, shouldn't have not been able to reflect light. And uh, we were talking about this this morning, and, and you had an interesting point on that well yeah um energy can also reflect light i work with instruments every day that work on that same basic principle like an icp inducted coupled argon plasma and that's one of the things that they suspect that ghosts are it's plasma mm-hmm. uh with this device a uh deuterium lamp or a mercury lamp depending upon which type of element we're looking at at that particular time is shown through an energy that, uh, of plasma, which is made from argon and a high energy RF, uh, but it's the same principle. Light does reflect off energy as well. Okay, so that's the theory that we're going with. Uh, no, pretty sound, uh, pretty scientifically proven on Matt's part. But uh, I know Jason, Grant, Steve, and Brian are on their way back from a personal appearance uh, earlier today in Massachusetts. So if they are listening and they want to give us a call, they can call in. And you can call in with all your questions, thoughts, theories, and stories about the paranormal. 508 for Wareham in the Cape. And, of course, online, SpookySouthCoast.com, where you can get in touch with us all week long. And uh, so we're going to... Take a quick break right now, and on the other side of that break, we will have for you Richard Sennett. We will talk some haunted Hollywood, and uh, we will get his opinion on some of the ghost hunting groups that have risen up in the last few years as, as being one of the original ghost hunters uh, back in the day. So stick, uh, stay tuned, and we want to hear from you. Remember, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. Touch of madness around here. Paranormal, is that what they're calling your kind these days? The revolution will be broadcast. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast here on WBSM 508 996 and online at www.spookysouthcoast.com if you want to join in with us. But right now, 
We have a special guest with us tonight. Richard Sennett has been active in the search for ghosts since his encounter with a ghostly monk back in 1978 that led him into the field of psychic research. Since then, he's visited nearly 250 haunted sites, authored 14 books, and appeared on numerous television and radio programs. He was also one of the Internet's first sources on paranormal investigations, starting his website, www.ghost-stalker.com, back in 1995. Since then, he's had over 500,000 hits on his website, averaging about 200 hits per day. He has a B.A. in history from California State University, and he was the historian for the city of Ventura, California, for 22 years until he retired. And this is pretty cool. They had a, a building named after him in the city in his honor. So Richard Sennett joins us on the line. Good evening, Richard. Hello. How are you doing out there in California tonight? Oh, we're doing real great. How's things in your neck of the woods? Actually, not too bad. Not ah, too bad. That's good to hear. Springtime in New England, it's a it's a fine time. It's, you know, for however long it lasts. Yes, I know. The summer is coming. Now, uh, you've uh, pretty much investigated every famous haunted location out there in California and around the, the West Coast. Yeah, I've been very active in the, the last, uh, well, over two decades looking into ghosts and haunted houses. I'm still doing it. I'm still going out there to various locations investigating and still finding mysteries yet to be solved. And one of the interesting things is, uh, you know, we've focused for the last few weeks that we've been on the air here mostly on a lot of the northeast ghosts and, and the legends of this area. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this is a phenomenon that's that's worldwide. Yes, very much. It has been since, for all we can gather, the dawn of recorded history. Some of the first things human beings write about are ghosts. And many of those stories we find in the ancient records of Egypt and Greece and Babylon and ancient China read almost like the, the accounts we have today. So it's a story or a, an event that's been going on since, I, I believe, long before humans even began to write. And most of uh, the ghost activity today has, you know, been a result of a more scientific basis on it. But like you said, this this folklore, these uh, mythologies through time have shown that they've been right along. And, you know, being in, in California, uh, it's kind of a more, you know, you have your Native American population just as we do as well. I mean, mm-hmm. for as long as there were people there, there was these type of legends. What are mm-hmm. some of the older type legends out out in that area? Well, there's many stories that go that uh, are still told amongst the Native American people of uh, ghostly men and, and women, many of them linked to their shamanistic beliefs. Um, out here in California, many of the caves were used to conduct a variety of rituals. Uh, and uh, people, hikers even today, have encountered Native American spirits uh, in those locations. So um, uh, besides the traditional Indian graveyard or uh, cemetery that is supposed to be the root of many hauntings, there are many other sites that the Native American people worshipped at which have stories of ghosts and chanting and uh, all sorts of different phantom figures. Our oldest buildings out here are the Spanish missions that were erected over 200 years ago. And... um, Many of them, in fact, I'll go out on a limb, I'll say all of them, every one of the 21 missions and related buildings and uh, establishments they had have stories of ghosts linked to them. And, you know, it's kind of strange because for all these different peoples that have uh, been through California, I mean, even to today's immigrant population that's uh, very heavy there, they all have these stories in their past. Yes, very true. And each culture group brought their own ghost with them. That even includes uh, the Spanish padres and the superstitious soldiers, and they all sort of blended together and kind of into kind of a soup that uh, permeates the entire area. But the amazing thing isn't that there are these stories, because you can count that up to folklore, but people are still seeing and experiencing the same kind of ghosts. You know, not like 25 years ago or 100 years ago, but today, right now. 
And and it's strange that uh, a lot of these spirits that, you know, like you said, that have been seen for generations past are, are still seen. We have a lot of that around here. We have uh, different you know, Native American sightings that uh, still go on today. Uh, it's almost like that energy just doesn't go away. Yeah, it's... Um uh, well, I believe the Native Americans were a very spiritual people. I mm-hmm. They still are. But um, that energy must have left something behind, some kind of older, a more established uh, spirit force or psychic force. Or I don't know what to call it. But it seems to reside in these particular locations. It's very much so much stronger than the human spirits that have come since that time because it seems to overpower them and it draws all the psychic energy still. I mean, you know, you or I could pass away tomorrow and we'd have trouble battling against the, you know, in the the battle for psychic energy with some of these older spirits that have been around for a long time. Well, I'm sure that's partly true, but if you look at, like I was mentioning, the missions, almost all of them, I'll say all of them were haunted, but who haunts them? Many times they are the old monks, the padres who built them. So I think uh-huh. that the that psychic, spiritual energy, whatever you want to call it, uh, isn't just restricted to Native Americans. And uh, it might well... Uh, explain why so many of these missions have phantom figures of monks as well as a Christian presence uh, uh, listed in them. Well, I mean, that's pretty much how you got your start in, in the whole ghost hunting field, right, was by running, running into one of these monks. Yeah, I was doing archaeology at the time, and that's one of my great passions is archaeology and history. And uh, late one night we were excavating at one of the old missions, San Antonio de Padua, that's like the third mission ever established. And uh, late one night I saw a monk, and I thought it was one of the brothers who, of course, still live at the mission there. And when I walked up to it, it just disappeared, just gone, was vanished in front of my eyes, and that was enough to cause me to pause and uh, wonder what in the world I had just witnessed. And that started me on this never-ending quest to explain a psychic phenomenon. And maybe the religious connection is part of what makes their spirit so strong, like you said, with the Native Americans being so strong in their belief, but these monks, too, so close in their connection with God. I think that's part of it. And, you know, their view of what God is, or who knows what God really is, but many churches, and they include Protestant as well as Catholic, uh, do have this link to ghosts. Uh, their ministers, uh, members of the, of the par- uh, parish, seem to come back again and again. So uh, I don't have all the answers, but I'm still out there searching. Well, and they're still out there ready to give you little bits of clues, so well, that always an- helps out. <laughs> uh, another weird thing is Hollywood. And my family came out here in the 1920s to uh, actually work at the studios. You know, not as movie stars, but as grips and carpenters and doing behind-the-camera work. So they came out here with the silent movie people. In fact, still members of my family are involved in what they call the industry. And it is very much an industry. It's kind of like a factory, you know. So um, many of these studios have stories of ghosts. And I would uh, was grew up regaled with tales of encounters at uh, various studios, MGM and Universal and Paramount, such as that. Uh, People telling me that they were working late at night and there was Rudolph Valentino, you know, who was dead, things of that nature. Valentino is one of the, probably one of the most uh, claimed to be seen ghosts in Hollywood, from what I understand. Yes, very true, and it's kind of odd because... uh, uh, even people today see him, and of course he hasn't made a picture, so it's 1926, and he isn't uh, kind of like a big uh, star today. Most people probably wouldn't recognize him if, if they saw him, mm-hmm. but he's been seen over and over. Now, it may have something to do with the fact he died very suddenly. Uh, there is a link to sudden death if a person isn't like ready to go. It's 
something happens and they continue to come back, almost as if they're trying to complete some lifelong ambition or dream. And and it seems like Hollywood is full of those type of stories of untimely deaths of of people that leave this world too soon. Uh, very creative people who, you know, just are taken out in their prime. Oh, very true. Hollywood's really kind of a nasty place, actually. <laughs> Everyone thinks of it as this glorious, glamorous thing. It really wasn't. It never was. There never was any golden age. It was always kind of scummy. And uh, uh, it just uses people up, chews them up, spits them out. And uh, consequently, a lot of dreams are broken, and a lot of people are broken in the process, and their spirits, energies, what have you, uh, still continue to uh, make themselves known. And a lot of these actors and, and the creative people of Hollywood, writers, directors, mm -hmm. they tend to delve into the occult, into the paranormal. I mean, stories like uh, about John Barrymore, mm -hmm. um, you know, just living his life almost daily by what his psychic told him. Well, yeah, even Valentino, who is very much of a spiritualist and actually conducted seances uh, in his house, um, uh, and saw ghosts while he was alive. And many of the actors are very superstitious. They're, they're, they're not so public like Shirley MacLaine, but they're, they're out there. And uh, they have had these strange, weird things, like Glenn Ford, who believed in very much in reincarnation, and uh, a variety of other movie stars have had their own experiences in the studios with ghosts and other odd things happen. Now, I found a pattern. Creative people who are drawn to acting and you know, creating sets and costumes of that nature, they tend to see ghosts more than the engineer and the more uh, scientifically-minded people. Really? Yeah, it has something to do with uh, the, uh, I think, left brain activity or where uh, people in their creative mode tend to open themselves up to whatever these things are. And it may be, I mean, because most of these spirits that they're encountering are fellow actors or directors. They're not, you know, they're not bumping into the spirits of grips or, or, or best mm -hmm. boys. So maybe it's a matter of, you know, like-minded people having that connection with like-minded people. Very true. And all in uh, Beverly Hills and uh, Hollywood Hills and such places, many of these mansions that were built by the silent movie stars uh, and, and now are inhabited by rock stars and our modern uh, movie idols, uh, they are as haunted as the manor houses of old England. Uh, and, uh, in fact, it's kind of hard to find one of those older places that doesn't have a ghost. And now, who are some of these spirits that are said to haunt some of these locations that you've investigated? I mean, is it anybody we would know from, from viewing movies? Oh, yeah, very true. It's uh, Rudolph Valentino, which we mentioned before, mm -hmm. but Marilyn Monroe is uh, another one. Um, uh, the list is just endless. John Barrymore, as you mentioned, Mae West. Uh, all of these different uh, people have left something behind. Some are better known than others. You know, Steve Reeves, the man who made who made uh, the television Superman, uh, he is said to haunt, as well as um, uh, a variety of other movie stars. Uh, you know, from the past and the present. I have to get my list out to give you a full <laughs> rendering of all the various stories that people have uh, seen from Long Cheney all the way up to John Bellucci. Yeah, Bellucci is a, is a huge, uh, you know, this, in recent years there's been a lot of sightings of John Bellucci both in California, in around the bungalow where he Martha's died, Vineyard. and here on uh, locally in Martha's Vineyard where he's, where buried. he's buried. So, I mean, he's he's definitely uh, one of these un unrestful ghosts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he's very much uh, well-known. And then the way he died, which was so tragic, you know. But my dad always said the success kills more people than failure. And I think that could be said of John Bellucci. Here he was at the top of his prime, and he could afford all the expensive drugs and things that he may have dreamt about. And unfortunately, they killed him. That seems to be a, a sad tale that, you know, permeates through Hollywood even from the beginning. Yeah, success is, uh, as I say, you can learn from failure, but uh, where do you go after you succeed?
And another thing with uh, some of these spirits, uh, like James Dean is another one who is said to have been, you know, been seen very frequently. Oh, yes. In fact, I just did a study of James Dean, his, the sightings where he's been seen at restaurants and studios and especially on the roadway where he met his end up in central California. I mean, do you think it's a matter of these iconic figures uh, living on in people's minds after they've passed on, or is it that they are a stronger presence in the afterlife because they were such iconic figures? No, I think they have to do with the fact that uh, they died so young. Mm-hmm. Here they had all this promise. You know, uh, James Bean, he only made four movies. He had plans to do more, and he had plans to to really take off. His career was on was on a fast track. Now, right in the middle of it, um, he dies very stupidly. You know, a guy goes and cuts him off and tries to do a turn in front of him, and they do a head-on collision. Uh, something that uh, uh, couldn't account for uh, the fact that. You know, here he is, he's driving, and there death takes him right at the time where he should be enjoying the fruits of his labor. And now, uh, with all these spirit activities in Hollywood, it mu- I mean, it's known as Holly Weird. Yeah. So, oh. I mean, with all this increased spirit activity in that area, it must bring a lot of uh, psychic-minded people. Oh, very true. In, very true. Not just on an investigative end, but there's probably a lot of people that try to turn this for profit, you know, a lot of charlatans that try to take advantage of that situation. Oh, that's been part of California since even before the hand-cranked cameras. <laughs> They've been always coming out here with cults and belief systems, uh, theosophists, uh, Madame Blavatsky, and, and all these people have been out here from the get-go, and they still are here. Uh, you go down any of the Hollywood streets and you'll find... Uh, signs, you know, Madam this, that, or the other, psychic to the stars, and stuff like that. And some of them are good, and some of them, I think, provide a real service, and a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are, are as you say, uh, charlatans. Well, I just remember hearing the term, I, I forget where I heard it, but uh, in the 80s and, and 90s, as television psychics became more and more popular, they had what they called the psychic gold rush, where all mm-hmm. these all these people with these uh, clairvoyant powers were running out to California to get in contact with famous ghosts. Oh, and they're still out there. Even you know, John Edward, I guess, is uh, the more recent uh, person to do that, and uh, uh, had a successful program for a while. But I've interviewed and I've talked with and worked with some of the best out here, from you know, Peter James uh, all the way to Hans Holzer, a number of other people involved in the, the psychic world, if you want to call it that. And uh, some of them are better than others, and some of them, um, uh, they all have huge, giant egos. They're a lot like working with opera stars, you know, that they are the, they have huge, giant, swollen heads. And sometimes they can be rather difficult to, uh, uh, to work, interact with. But on the whole, um, we're kindred spirits, although I am trying to take a scientific approach. And I don't believe everything a psychic tells me. Even my wife, who's psychic, I don't believe her all the time. <laughs> well, that comes with the territory of being married, I think. Well, it's really hard having a psychic wife. You can't surprise her with anything. Uh, she knows about it before you start. And, um, but uh, it's, it's uh, as I say, a lot of psychics do gravitate toward this area, and some are good and, and some are bad. That's why I tell people to kind of go by word of mouth. There isn't a rating system out there you, or someplace you can call up and find out which are the better of the psychics. And, you know, sometimes they get, like, on a roll, and they're just great. And then other days they go out there, and they're down in their dumps, and they're not so great at all. They're as psychic as you are. But so it comes and goes, I think. It's not something that's consistent. Well, unfortunately, people expect a psychic to be, you know, like a, a doctor and to go in there and be able to perform this with precision every time. But I think they're more like, you know, like a yeah. baseball player. Yeah, and it's like they might go two for three, they might be in a slump, you know, they might be on a 15-game hitting streak. Yeah, I think that's an excellent analogy because I've seen psychic, like my wife, I've seen her do stuff that makes my hair stand on end, and I know there's no way she could have faked that because I was, I've been with her, you know. She pulls out names out of a hat. Where'd she get that from, you know? And not like Mary or Joe or Smith, but, you know, wholesome pfeffer and stuff like that. It's really weird stuff things 
Uh, and I even asked her, where'd you get that from? She said, oh, it just came to me. And um, other times I've seen psychics who, who fall down and just kind of go into sort of a gobbledygook mode where they sort of give sort of placid uh, mechanical answers which could apply to anyone. So uh, I've seen both ends. What you got to do is kind of... Um, Go by your own intuition and uh, call others who go to a particular psychic. And don't expect them to be like gods and solve all of your problems. They, they can't. They're just people like you and I. They may have a gift uh, and they may not, but at least utilize what their talents are. and Don't project onto them something that they're not. Well, I'm getting a psychic feeling that we're coming up on a CBS News break here. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take a, a few minutes to do the news. When we come back, we'll do a little segment we call The Week in Weird real quick, and then we'll get right back into Haunted Hollywood and a whole lot more with Richard Sennett. You can visit his website while we're talking, www.ghost-stalker.com. It's also linked up through our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, some more stuff with Richard uh, in just a few minutes. Remember, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, or on our site, SpookySouthCoast.com. If you want to ask some questions of Richard, we'll be right back after the news here on WBSM. Presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Welcome back. Hour number two here of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg, Matt Costa behind the boards. Science advisor Matt Moniz on the other side, both literally and metaphysically. And uh, right now, we're going to present to you, before we get back into our discussion with Richard Sennett about Haunted Hollywood and a whole lot more, we're going to give you a little segment we like to call The Week in Weird. All right, our first story comes from the website scotlandonsunday.com. And it's about the Church of Scotland planning to train ministers to deal with evil spirits after research showed half the clergy believe they have directly encountered satanic forces. The Kirk, as it's known informally for the Church of Scotland, is considering lessons on the supernatural because of a growing number of pastors who are seeking advice on issues ranging from poltergeists to possessed parishioners. According to research by one of the Kirk's leading experts on the subject, more than half of the church's 1,200 ministers report personal experience of, quote, dark spirits and, quote, evil powers. The Church of Scotland Ministries Council, which oversees training for new ministers, has developed a training program which, if adopted, will teach clerics what to look for in a person who believes they are possessed or oppressed by the devil. Ministers will not be taught how to conduct exorcisms, but will be advised to refer parishioners to a small team of Kirk experts in the paranormal. They will also make sure they take advice from doctors and psychiatrists. Now, from what I understand, doing a little bit more research on this, like it says in the story, it's not going to be exorcisms. It's going to be more of just, you know, a, a religious cleansing. So, but still, the fact that now the Church of Scotland is recognizing these exorcisms, and now the Catholic Church is having a huge push towards training exorcists, exorcists that combined with what we have of knowledge of mental disorders and different, you know, chemical imbalances in the brain, and they're still putting such a push on exorcisms, it's showing you that maybe evil is growing in the world. So... How about a little bit of evil from the evil one himself, Matt Costa? Yes. Uh, from MOSnews.com. For the first time in history, the mysterious, the mysterious Southern American chupacabra vampire has been spotted in Russia. Reports of a beast that kills animals and sucks their blood came from a village in central Russia, when a farm had 32 turkeys killed overnight, leaving the corpses bloodless. Then reports came from neighboring villages where more than 30 sheep and goats fell victim to the vampire. 
Again, the blood had been drained from the corpses, but the flesh still remained intact. All the slaughtered animals had similar puncture wounds on their necks, different from marks that wolves, dogs, or lynx would leave on their victims. Eyewitness descriptions match the traditional description of the chupacabra, said to resemble a kangaroo and a dog with huge teeth. I heard the, I heard the sheep bleeding loudly, and when I approached the barn, I saw a black shadow like a big dog standing on its hind legs. It leaped like a kangaroo when it spotted me and ran away, says Yubala Isbasoft, 18, who guards sheep in the village. Yubala saw, saw the beast again a, a few days later and described it as four-foot-tall animal with a hump on its back. Authorities discovered two rows of tracks that could belong to an animal of some 75 to 80 pounds in weight. The tracks were of five-toed paws, were five-toed paws with claws and webbed fingers, and a tail that dragged between them. The zoologists have yet to identify the animal from the photos of the tracks. Plans to thoroughly search the area are being made later this month. And of course, if they do catch the chupacabra, they will soon be for sale at a mall pet store near you. And Dane Cook will give you $10,000. Dane Cook, yeah. the comedian, the comedian, is offering a $10,000 bounty for the capture of a chupacabra. Yes. He said it on the late show, I believe. Now, is this like part of some joke that he had planned, or is he... No. We'll have to get. We'll have to get him on the show to talk about it. You know Dan Cook, don't? He's not. He's not a member of your MySpace. No, not yet. www.myspace.com/slash/spooky-south-coast. Be our friend. If you if you apply to be our friend, we will let you be our friend. My only friend is Tom. Yeah, Tom. Tom's the man. Now, Chupacabra, of course, is the uh, Costas crypto creature of the month on our message board, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, so you, if you want to find out a little bit more about the history of the chupacabra, chupacabra you can check it out on the message board. It's funny because I'm looking over at the computer of the commercials that are coming up, and one of them is for Pat Nod's Pet Store. So uh, maybe they already have the Chupacabra in stock. So just make sure that you buy them a heat rock and plenty of uh, various insects to munch on. Matt Moniz, what do you have for us? Well, I got a story that comes from England. It's about a paranormal public house. Uh, police in Northern England were scared silly after an eerie encounter of what they believed to be a ghost at a local pub. Uh, the detectives were responding to a call about a possible burglary at the uh, Low Valley Arms Pub in Southern Yorkshire, but all they found was a spooked landlord convinced he had seen a ghost. The landlord went on to say he had encountered a spirit wearing a white gown in the ladies' room. When the alarm went off, I went into the pub, and all the television screens had turned on, the landlord said. I went to check the rest of the pub, and standing in the woman's bathroom was a woman, and her face was half-missing. Although police didn't catch a glimpse of the ghastly ghoul themselves, the officers did find a bunch of toilets flushing on their own. After finding no sign of forced entry, a frightened... uh, crew hightailed it out of the uh, paranormal pub, but the news of the haunt made the place the talk of the town, even attracting a national TV crew hell-bent on capturing the specter on film, should she appear again. As for the landlord, he's sticking to his story, but he's and his wife do not intend to leave. I don't know about you, but I've been around a lot of pubs. And uh, I've found women in those pubs that I wish had half their face missing. Oh, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a little segment we like to call the Week in Weird. We bring it to you every week. And if you have any suggestions for a story that we should read on the Week in Weird, you can send it to our message board. Uh, there's a Week in Weird uh, section there where you can post it. Or you can email it to us, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, Matt at SpookySouthCoast.com, Science Advisor at SpookySouthCoast.com. Or you can just knock out all three in one shot, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. So we're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we will talk more with our special guest, Richard Sennett, more about Haunted Hollywood, and with him being one of the original ghost hunters on the Internet, we're going to talk to him about some of these groups that have popped up. So stay tuned here on Spooky South Coast on WBSM. Don't look now, but Spooky South Coast is creeping up behind you right after this.
Coming to you live from our studios on 1313 Mockingbird Lane. We are Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg, Matt Costa, Matt Moniz, all here in the studio and on the line. We have Richard Sennett uh, joining us. He is a ghost hunter from out in California, and he has plenty of experience out in Hollywood. We were talking about some haunted Hollywood, Richard, before the news break, and uh, one of the things that Matt Moniz brought up is some of these actual locations that we've heard stories about, such as, Matt? Uh, like, uh, obviously, the Queen Mary mm-hmm. and the Black Dahlia case and uh, mm-hmm. lady from the Hollywood sign. Oh, yeah. Peg Entwistle, the lady who in 1932 jumped off the H right. in Hollywood. Or actually, it said Hollywood land originally. The land fell down when they just left the Hollywood up. But she climbed up there and jumped off and uh, killed herself and some acquired a certain immortality by her act. Now, wasn't it rumored that she jumped because she did not get a part but then wound up getting the part and the confirmation letter was in her mailbox? Well, that's a legend. I don't think that's true. But she was a Broadway star, and she's from an old English acting family, and she just did everything. But she got out to Hollywood, and she was just another pretty face. And uh, her career faltered, and she only made one movie, and then she did a series of Poirot films, or, or what they used to call blue movies back in those days, and her career just spiraled down. And as she, uh, her career faltered, all of her friends left her. And though she should have probably got on the train and went back to the Broadway, uh, she uh, didn't. She just uh, grew despondent and took her own life. You pretty much just described the spooky South Coast story. Mm. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> I think we have a call on the line for you, Richard. Okay. So we'll go to that right now. Good evening. You're on spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Hi. Hi. No, I'm sorry for your hands, Richard. I was wondering what happened to Evan Russo. Um, Evan Russo is out this week. Uh, he had some surgery earlier in the but week. He hasn't been on your phone for a number of weeks. Oh, no, no, because uh, he works four hours in the morning on Saturdays in addition to working all week long, so he's pretty much just exhausted by this point. So we were keeping him up late, helping us out, learning how to do things, and we are eternally grateful for all of uh, what he showed us. But uh, most of the time, by the time we go on the air, he's home and in bed. Okay. All Thank right. you. Good night. Good night. Yes, uh, Evan Russo, Richard, is uh, our mentor here at WBSM. He's the whole reason I was able to get into radio. So, oh. And he's got a lot of fans around here. He came on with us the first two weeks, and ever since then, you know, he's he trusted us to stay on our own, and seems to be working so far. Good to hear. <laughs> All right. So uh, now getting back into some of these other locations, Matt had mentioned the Queen Mary, which... Uh, also, I th- the Winchester House is probably one of the most famous mm-hmm. out there. Well, just oh. get, getting back to the Queen Mary for a second, mm-hmm. I, had, I had talked to Erica Frost uh, just last week, who runs the Paranormal Tours on the Queen Mary, and uh, are there any famous spirits that we would know who allegedly haunt the Queen Mary? Well, there's a lot of uh, waters that went to the ship. There was a captain or an officer who died who accidentally drank poison. There was a machinist who accidentally was crushed to death. But there's a lot of stories of movie stars and stuff uh, that are said to walk the decks. Now, whether or not those are legends, I don't know. But I will confirm one thing. Of all the places I've ever been, the Queen Mary is the most haunted. And a lot of people tell me, oh, I want to see a ghost. Where can I go? Uh, first, I tell them to go to Disneyland, to the Haunted Mansion, because <laughs> uh, there you'll always see a ghost. Oh, by the way, do you know the Haunted Mansion has a real ghost? Really? Yeah, Disney doesn't like to talk about it. The company doesn't. But there is a real ghost there. And a lot of the people who work at Disneyland Truth will... In advertising? Yeah, yeah hushedly uh, talk about... Um, uh, encountering the ghost woman who wanders that place, uh, attracted maybe by all the uh, hoopla. I don't know. But the Queen Mary has... I wonder if that's an the, e-ticket ride, Richard. Oh, very much. I always go on it whenever <laughs> I get down to Disneyland. Uh, but the Queen Mary is, for my money, one of the most haunted places in the world. Uh, if you want to see a ghost, go onto that ship. Don't take the paranormal tour. Just stay there, spend the night, and get up about 2 o'clock and walk around that ship between 2 and 4. And I tell you, ghosts become almost normal 
seeing a ghost becomes like, oh, okay, that's how it should be. Uh, footsteps, uh, figures, I've seen them all. And that is one of the places that continues to actually deliver uh, what it's supposed to. We're going to have Erica on with us uh, in the coming months, and we, we can dedicate a whole show to just the, the ghost sightings on the Queen Mary. It's just unbelievable. Or I've heard and seen them. I've done seances on that Queen Mary. I was at one with doors opened and there was nobody there and closed. One particular fellow, his chair rose up off of the floor. Now this wasn't in the dark. This wasn't. Well, this was in uh, you know regular daytime conditions. We saw him raise up about six to ten inches off of the floor. We heard voices, slammings, screams, all kinds of stuff happened. And I, I will confirm that definitely is one of the more haunted places I've ever been to. I've been to a lot. All right, well, if you have any questions for Richard Sennett, the original ghost hunter, 508-996-0500, 508-2910-500. And, Matt, you mentioned the Winchester House, which is, you know, just famous uh, not even for ghost activity but just general weirdness. True. Have you have you had a chance to investigate that house, Richard? Oh yes, you are right about one thing. It's certainly weird, but it isn't all that haunted. They kind of hype it, and there is a ghost there. I've talked to people who have interviewed workers who've seen the ghost, but it's just one woman, Sarah Winchester, the builder of the house, who's the only one who actually ever lived there, and the one that uh, still continues to walk. But there are other places perhaps not as well known that are equally haunted, such as the Whaley House in San Diego. And, uh, of course, many of the theaters in Hollywood, all of the studios over in Hollywood, and a number of other attractions out here in the West Coast. Well, Matt Costa uh, asked before we went on the air about the comedy store and the myriad of ghosts that have been seen there. Oh, yeah. Well, that used to be a big nightclub a long time ago. And gangsters like Bugsy Siegel and all the movie stars used to go over there long ago. And uh, a few uh, rumors seem to indicate that those who got in the way of the mob uh, may have wound up part of the uh, foundations of the place. And such activities, of course... Uh, seem to bring spirits uh, with them. And uh, when when you first started investigating some of these places, uh, was it, you know, when you first started finding these famous ghosts, was it, you know, how, how was it viewed by the public when you came out with these findings? Oh, it was not. I mean, a long time ago, the climate was very, very different than it is today. And I've heard all the jokes. And, uh, you know, you pay a price doing this work. Um, it's hard to imagine, but I got hate mail, uh, many from people proclaiming themselves to be Christians, doesn't sound very Christian to me, uh, and accusing me of working for Satan. Um, uh, people who do this have lost their jobs. Uh, the climate is not is very different today. Now it's kind of fun and it's easygoing and relaxed. But uh, you know, 25 years ago, it was not the case, and you were always looked upon as if you had lost a few marbles or that you had horns growing out of your head, or that you should be incarcerated in some uh, mental institution. So uh, the climate has changed a great deal, but um, even today there's a great deal of prejudice out there towards people who do this sort of work. Well, I think one thing that's helped is the fact that a cottage industry has sprung up around the paranormal out there. So, I mean, when people go there, some people are going there just to take the, you know, the haunted Hollywood tours, the uh, famous graveyard tours. Oh, very much. It's all nationwide, actually. There, are, Every town with any history, and many on the East Coast have ghost tours that you can go on. Many of the famous historic sites of mansion houses uh, have ghostly tours or themed tours on that subject. And people have discovered that there is there is a profit motive involved in ghosts. 
and ghost hunting has become what I believe to be the fastest growing hobby in the United States. Well, I think we're going to get into that in just a few minutes, but we have a question for you here from Michael, one of our loyal message board posters. And, uh, of course, you know, there's all kinds of famous animal actors in Hollywood. You know, there's been about a thousand lassies and maybe a half dozen Benjis and numerous black beauties. And uh, he wants to know if you have ever encountered any ghosts or spirits of animals and uh, and why you think that spirits hang around and don't cross over, especially in the Hollywood area. Well, yeah, I have. The two come to mind right away. One is Rin Tin Tin, the dog that saved uh, Columbia. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I've encountered a hotel where Rin Tin Tin actually was uh, kept while he was making movies out in uh, parts of California. It's an old kind of a western hotel, and he, he had his own little suite where they, him and his trainers were. Actually, there were two Rin Tin Tins, I think. And um, so I've encountered what could be his ghost jumping on my bed late at night. And, of course, we went out to the Hollywood Pet Cemetery, which a lot of people don't go to, but definitely include that on your list. It's the kickiest place I've ever been. That's where the movie stars bury their pets. That's all divided into a Catholic section and a Protestant section <laughs> for pets. I mean, I didn't know if there was a Catholic dog and a, and a Jewish dog, you know, but they have their own separate cemeteries. And out there, it's that particular place is rumored to be haunted by the ghost of K-Bar, which is Rudolph Valentino's Doberman. They're a great Dane. It was a great Dane. Uh, but no, we were there. I was with a bunch of very kooky psychics. And they were these ladies dressed in caftans and turbans and jewelry and uh, looking very strange indeed with overdone makeup. We're all holding hands around this dog's grave. And I swear, now maybe it was me. Maybe I was nuts. Maybe, uh, maybe the whole thing got to me. I don't know. But I felt something lick my ankle. You know, Richard, you're not doing much to uh, dispel the East Coast bias against Hollywood here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, part of the California tradition. We have to do this. It's in the state constitution. <laughs> well, uh, I think we're going to take a little break here, and then when we come back, we are going to get into what you were talking about with uh, the, like you said, the hobby of chasing the paranormal that has uh, sprung up recently, and we'll talk about you know, your website and your experiences in the early days of the Internet helping out people with their ghost problems. And if you want to check out Richard's site during the break, www.ghost-stalker.com. Also linked up through our site, SpookySouthCoast.com. And don't forget, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. If you'd like to call in, we'll be right back after a few. Beaming from the studios of AM 1420 WBSM into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange the original Doctor Who in the studio with us, science advisor Matt Moniz. What's up? Because when we, when we say, you know, the Doctor, they say who? No. And, of course, Matt Costa running all the controls, oh, doing wait, wait. a great job as always. All, you know, Matt, we had some people on the um, message board this week in, in, in emails trying to get in touch with me about all these bumpers and theme songs that you've made, and, you know, they want to know if... You're the one that puts it all together, or like I, you know, I accuse you of stealing it last week, and they want to know if you really do make it. And absolutely, yep, you it's do. The, the wonders of auto audio editing software. Yes, uh, and also we can use that to make me sound good when I stumble, which happens quite often. Now, uh, Richard Sennett is with us. He runs the website ghost-stalker.com, uh, where he chronicles his m almost 30 years now, actually. If it's been since 1978, Richard, that you saw that monk? That's correct. Yeah, and that was the year I was born, so we're, you know, we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but now, since 1995, you've been running the GhostStalker.com website. Yes, that's true. 
and uh, that was one of the original, if not the first, uh, websites dealing with the paranormal. Yes, there wasn't very many out there doing anything like this when I started. And uh, now, if you punch in a ghost hunter, you get like 10,000 different people. Everybody's a ghost hunter these days. All you need is a camera and a tape recorder and a computer, and there you go. You can be whatever you want. And um, these are are popping up like mushrooms all over the nation. And some of them are very good. I'm not going to put them all down. Some go at this very scientifically. They collect the data. They publish the data. They share their data. But a lot of them are just hobbyists who are out for a cheap thrill. Well, I mean... I always attributed these, this big rise in paranormal investigation to the Ghost Hunters program and what TAPS has done. I think that's part of it, but it started even earlier. And that's what uh, I've come to find out, yeah. Uh, with um, you know, um, uh, Unsolved Mysteries uh, back in the, what, 70s and 80s, and um, uh, coming along with, with other shows like The X-Files that uh, talk about ghosts and supernatural stuff like that. Uh, so it's been something that comes and goes, but now the with the new equipment that's come out, these e-meters, which are for sale, and these fancy cameras and tape recording equipment and the discovery of EVP and other stuff, lots of people are getting involved in this kind of work. And there's even some people offering uh, degrees of, of uh, uh, in ghost hunting that you can sign up for over the Internet and take a little class for a few hundred dollars. Uh, Unfortunately, I've come across a lot of these people who get involved in it, and it's okay and it's fun until you bump into something really bad. And i got to tell you this, there are bad things out there. They're, They're not common. They're very uncommon. But if you bump into one, it's really very spooky. Now, are you referring just in general to evil spirits or more of an inhuman, almost demonic type entity? Uh, like demonic, and they're out there. And I, I've i seen people so scared they become born-again Baptist overnight, you know, and give up the what they call the occult. I saw one group, it was, by the way, a very good group of young people out investigating, and something followed them home and almost killed them uh, as they tried to get away from this very haunted place, which, by the way, I told them not to go to, but they went there anyway. And, by the way, I didn't tell them because of evil spirits, because there's a demonic cult that goes up there, and uh, they're pretty cuckoo people. And I said, hey, these people are nuts. You best not mess with them. They're not ghosts, but they can still do bad things to you. So, But they went up there anyway, and something followed them home, something that wasn't normal or human, and uh, it scared them so much they disbanded and, as I say, became born-again Christians almost instantaneously. Well, unfortunately, one of the things that these groups don't take into account when they watch, you know, taps on television or they see some of these other groups that are, you know, out on the Internet, they don't take into account some of the -the behind-the-scenes people that you don't see. And a good quality group is going to have a demonologist that they can refer to because Mm -hmm. you need to understand what goes on when you encounter an inhuman entity or a demonic entity. You just can't run in there blind and just hope that everything that you encounter along the way is going to be, you know, the spirit of a former human being or, or something that's benign and there are far more benign or positive things out there than there are negative let me get that uh, make that clear but there are bad things out there we're walking into an unknown territory into a dark room you don't know what you're going to bump into and if it's something positive that's good but if it's something that's not positive that can be really bad and I've I've heard all sorts of terrible stories of people who uh, have these sorts of encounters, and they don't know what to do. And none of these programs give them any ammunition, any armor, any uh, protection or anything uh, when dealing with these sorts of forces that are out there. Well, mainly that's probably because they don't do any real preparation. They don't do any real research into what they're jumping into before they go out there. Oh, very true. 
they just grab their tape recorder and run out there, and uh, if they think it's a good haunted site, they'll go visit it. Uh, I'm, I don't know. Another thing that's bad is a lot of people uh, do a lot of breaking and entering. You know, they hear about a house being haunted. No, they'll just go in and trespass. And, of course, I tell people, never do that. Or they go into cemeteries late at night <laughs> and take it's pictures. It, it's interesting that you mentioned that because we're, we're holding a newspaper, uh, a local newspaper here, uh, right in front of us and under the police log. Monday, April 17th, 1.11 a.m., suspicious vehicle sent to cemetery. Tyhonet Road. Operators stated they were attempting to videotape ghosts. Parties moved along, and they're lucky because they can be arrested. They don't have to be moved along. Yeah, they could very well have. And what I don't like are some of these kids are very destructive. Now, I don't mind going to a cemetery, especially if it's not closed to the public, if there's an old pioneer cemetery or some historic thing that's they're not going to damage. They go through like ghosts and look for ghosts, but some of the kids, you know, they get drunk, they break things, they they scroll stuff on the tombstones. You know, and that, that kind of destructive behavior is just negative and, and bad. Yeah, it's never good. Well, you get that happening when they're not looking for ghosts either, too. They yeah, kids they're just going looking out for a good time, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in fact, there was one very famous place, which I will not mention, that uh, had a report of a ghost come out in a newspaper. And all it was beset by these high school kids, many of them inebriated, who went to the house to find the ghost. They actually threw rocks at the windows and broke them. They invaded the property. The police had come, and after the police had left, the kids had come back. And at the end, the people, the owners, just were so furious that they actually came out with a press release saying there is no ghost. Don't stay away. We've hired guards. It was just really awful. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the program the, the spirit of John Belushi. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story, but his grave on Martha's Vineyard in the Chilmark Cemetery, uh, where everybody goes to visit his grave, is actually not where he's buried. They've had to move him to a unmarked grave in the back of the cemetery because too many people were constantly trying to dig up his body. Right. There are nutcases out there who do that, and that uh, experience has been uh, carried on throughout the history of the West. But poor Billy the Kid has been disturbed many times. Same with Doc Holliday and these famous people of the West, you know, people trying to get a piece of their tombstone as a souvenir or dig them up or do some awful outrage like that. So it's terrible. And I tell people if they want to go ghost hunting, be like a ghost, you know. Leave no trace behind. Leave a place cleaner than when you found it. You're here to get recordings and pictures. You're not here to break or vandalize or anything of that nature. Well, poor Billy the Kid. They have to keep digging him up because they're not sure who he is. Yeah, they have to keep a- getting some DNA samples. Well, they had to do that. They found out this one guy who claimed to be Billy the Kid was a fraud. But, uh, you know, any famous person like that, you get that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, I tell people, be careful. Read the literature. Go out there and prepare yourself before you go out investigating. This isn't a lark. Uh, but most of the people who take this up, they're happy if they get a little picture of an orb. And, you know, some of the times people are out there in the middle of the, the dewy mist and all, and uh, it's starting to, uh, the moisture is dropping, and they take pictures and they get orbs. Oh, guess what? They're, they're you know, the damp spots. That's all they are. But they're happy. Or if they get uh, EVP, you know, they run their tape recorders and they get uh, a little sound of a bird or something like that, and they, they're very happy. Oh, we got a ghost. But... Um, Sadly, uh, there's more to this than that. This is that's just like cheap thrills. What you? It's a study. We're trying to find out and confirm the existence of ghosts. We're not just there to make you feel good or get a buzz or find a little piece of videotape or audio tape that you can play for your friends or play on your radio show. Yeah, or on your radio show, <laughs> As we've right. done in the past. Yeah, but see, what you're doing is good because you're bringing this to the public. You see, what would happen if scientists operated like that? 
You know, if the, you found, like, the cure for cancer but didn't tell anybody, what good would it be? <laughs> it's uh, already happened. Yeah, we, You're yeah. talking to a scientist that works in this industry, yeah. This yeah, and, and it's, it's terrible because it's part of what I tell people is share your data. You've got to publish. You've got to put it online. You've got to bring it out. You've got to broadcast it to the public. And where I go to these conferences... It's just so illuminating to get with other ghost hunters. I ask them, have you had this happen? And they say, yeah, I have. Have you had this happen? Like staircases are haunted. Why are so many ghosts seen on staircases? Why are so many ghosts uh, missing their heads? I mean, this isn't France. It's not like Decapitation City. But we get all these accounts of people seeing ghosts without a head. Now... You know, it's a it's, it's an interesting point that you make about whether or not they publish their results. I mean, I have no problem with a group that wants to post up its evidence and put, you know, uh, on the picture, you know, their their name, group name, their group website, you know, and and get credit for being the one to discover it. I mean, anybody that's any kind of um, explorer in any field would would want recognition, but like you said, they have to share this information with everybody else and not say, "Well, you know, this is our information and we're keeping it, and you have to come to our lecture to see it." Yeah, you know, it's it's got to be out there. And they also, you can tell one of these groups are serious by, you know, if the if the idea of research is even in their name. I mean, well, so- that's that's part of it. A lot of these groups make up highfalutin names, you mm-hmm. know, the South Coast, the South Coast uh, uh, Paranormal Investigative Scientific Team, and it's one little one, one teenager in his basement who lives with his mother, and uh, that's the whole group. Him and his girlfriend and his two buds. How, how you doing tonight, Rob? By the way. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking to one of our actual listeners. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, you know, but there are good groups out there. Uh, sadly, the one thing I don't like is so many of these groups are motivated by a desire to make money. And there isn't a lot of money to be made in this kind of work. I'll have to, I can guarantee you that. That's just, I'll all, second it. Yeah, all of the great ghost hunters of the past, you know, Hereward, Carrington, and some of these other fellows, they all were independently wealthy. So what you should do is become independently wealthy, then become a ghost hunter, and let your wealth uh, fund your investigations. And that's one of the the biggest problems is uh, it's like everybody's trying to find a way because they see a television show like Ghost Hunters. They say there's money to be made in this field, and nobody will take you seriously if you're charging money in this field. Yeah, it's just really bad. Like I used to do a lot of TV work, and... um, uh, I I always charge for my services. Heck, I've been doing this for twenty years. Well, know, that's understandable, background. though. That's a, that's a different aspect than charging for an investigation. I mean, that's like a speaking fee, an appearance fee at a conference. Right, very, very much. And uh, I went. One fellow who's making this TV show said, "Well, hey, why should I hire you when I can just get on the computer and you know, a dozen people will do it for free just to get their face on TV?" And, and that's the only reason why they're doing it. No. Right. Yeah. And the difference is the the credibility that already comes with having your name on the screen. Yeah, well, that's what I hope anyway. Uh, but so many of these people are out there uh, doing bad work. Or, you know, another thing I find, they'll get a picture that they think is really good. And it might be an orb or an apparition or something. And the immediate thing is they're going to copyright it. Nobody's going to steal my picture. And I say, I even told this one guy, what are these people going to do? put it on a t-shirt and sell it it's not that good it's a fuzzy reflection it's not a real ghost but they don't want to hear that all right richard that's just about all the time we have tonight we'd like to thank you for joining us next week we're going to have a very special evp show with members of the southland paranormal society out of florida they will talk to us about some of the interesting evps they've captured in their cases and we will also have on the new england paranormal video research group who heard our EVP taken at the Ellis Bowl Cemetery and cleaned it up for us. We'll talk to them about the process of cleaning up EVPs. And then the week after that, a very special show, we will talk about cryptozoology, something we have not yet discussed here on Spooky South Coast with Lauren Coleman, the founder of that science. And we will discuss everything from Bigfoot to the Dover Demon to an area of Massachusetts he deemed the Bridgewater Triangle. Remember, you can check us out all week long on the web, www.spookysouthcoast.com, where you can join our message board, where you can listen to previous shows, 
Uh, also uh, on myspace.com slash spooky south coast. And of course, you can email us anytime, spooky crew at spooky south coast.com. So for Matt Costa, Matt Moniz, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spectacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, tomorrow. is WBSM New Bedford, Citadel Broadcasting, AM 1420, WBSM. CBS News, I'm Bill Fitka. Even as President Bush called on the American public to stay the course in Iraq, thousands were marching with their feet. As many as 300,000 demonstrated in New York to protest the war in Iraq. This is definitely not something we should be involved in, and wasting money. We need education, we need homes for people. America is going down.